The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, This one began to build, but did not have resource to finish. Or what king marching into battle would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, anyone who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, this is one of those difficult Gospels. Unless you hate your mother and father, brother and sister, your own children, and even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. So we obviously want to be disciples of Jesus, right? What does that mean for us? Unless you hate, it's a, it's a pretty strong word. I know kids nowadays aren't even allowed to use that word. You know, it's a strong word. Well, Jesus is making it very clear that God must come first. God has to be number one in our lives. He can't even be on the same plane as anyone else. He can't be on the same plane as husband, wife, children, family, even our very own self. God must be number one. And if we allow anybody else to get in the place of God, that ought to be something that we hate because it's taken away God from being first place in our life. So just to cut to the quick of that, God has to be number one. You don't ever have to, to think twice about that or to even like compromise that. He has to take first place in our lives. Then he says, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me cannot be my, my disciple. So to be a disciple means we have to take up our cross. So whatever that cross is in your life, take it up. We have to do that to be his disciples. And finally, he says, unless you renounce all your possessions, you cannot be my disciples. These are strong words that he's using. There's no conditional statements. He's saying you have to renounce not some of your possession, all of your possession. And if you don't, you can't be his disciple. Like these words should strike us to our heart. They're pretty strong. And Jesus is, is trying to get us to the point of that uncompromising faith. You know, to the point where we're willing to be all in. We're, will, we're willing to give everything that we have to God, even our very own life. Now, the closest experience I've ever had to this was in 2001, when I finally took that step to enter the seminary. Because when I was entering the seminary, 
at that moment in my life, I knew I had to be all in. I knew if I was discerning priesthood, I had to be all in. I had to give my entire life to God. So I knew from that day forward, I would never have a girlfriend again. I knew from that day forward, I would never have a job or a career. I knew from that day forward, I'd be giving my whole life to God. And I remember that uh, the tremendous leap of faith that that took to, to enter into the seminary. When I came into the seminary in 2001, I figured I was leaving uh, a life of adventure behind. I kind of thought, all right, now I'm going to be a priest and my life's going to be pious and it's going to be boring and uh, I'm kind of giving up any joy or excitement I ever had and I'm going to be a priest. And um, for anybody that knows me, that couldn't be farther from the truth. I am more happy now, more joyful now. Life is better than I could have ever imagined as a priest. And I have been on adventure after adventure after adventure. And my first great adventure, as I mentioned before, was going to Africa. So when I entered the seminary, I met Father Dunson. Father Don Dunson taught at the seminary. He taught moral theology. And every summer, he would go and take a trip to Africa. And that's how he spent his summers, serving the poor in Africa. And so in the fall, when he would come back, every year I would say to him, Father Dunson, if I ever have the chance, I would love to go with you to Africa. And one year in 2003, he said, Hey, Michael, guess what? Now's the time. Do you want to go to Africa with me? And I said, yes. So I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anybody else. I just said, yes. I signed up. I wanted to go. My life changed completely in that summer. So it's kind of funny because I got to renew my passport now. So I was just looking at my passport. So it was 10 years old. And uh, my passport, so in March of 2014, it has to be renewed. Every single page of this passport is filled I've been to Africa three times. I've been to to Uganda, to Kenya, to Rwanda, where the genocide was. I've been to Madagascar. I've been to to South Africa. I've been to Central America. I've been to where Father Stala is. So I've been to El Salvador six times. I've taken every parish I've been at, I've taken them. Every year we go to El Salvador. I have been given this great gift of a love for the poor, and especially the poorest of the poor, those who are suffering in third world countries. And I've also been, a, been given this gift of getting to know Father Dunson. So Father Dunson has started this scholarship. It's called the St. Cazito Scholarship, and it raises money for these children that I met in Africa. So these children are, are orphans. Some of them are AIDS orphans that have lost their parents to the AIDS epidemic. Some of them are orphans that have been abandoned. They're street children that have been taken literally off the street, out of garbage dumps, and given a home. And for me, it's been a wonderful gift So Father Dunson is writing a book now, and the second book he's writing is called Citizens of the World. And as he comes to the end of the book, I'm just going to share a little bit of you from the book, because as he comes to the very end, he shares a a profound quote from this seminarian that went on the trip with him. It's me, I'm in a book. I'm really excited about this. So he says that um, in 2004, I shared in this amazing adventure with, with four seminarians enrolled at St. Mary's Seminary in Cleveland, Ohio, where I have been teaching moral theology for the last two decades. We were privileged to be given the opportunity to volunteer at Nimbani, the first HIV hospice in Africa for orphans, and to work at the Children and Life Mission in Uganda, a home run by the Good Samaritan Sisters for former street boys rescued from street violence in the capital city of Uganda. So those are the two places that I'm talking about. One's an orphanage for AIDS orphans. The other is all these children have been taken off the street that have been living on the street. So imagine your kids living in downtown Cleveland by themselves. That's what this other orphanage is. They're taken off the street and cared for. 
So um, the, the quote that they took I thought was so awesome because um, I, I gave them like all my journals from Africa and these were the two quotes that they took. When I entered the seminary in 2001, I had no idea that I would embark on a journey that would take me across the world. I went to the seminary with the notion that I was giving my life to God and so all adventure would come to an end. What I discovered is that when we draw close to God and we offer him our lives, he takes us beyond our wildest dreams. When you draw close to God and offer him your lives, everything that you are and have, he will take you on a great adventure. It's now nearly a decade later and the children of Africa have always held a piece of my heart. I tell their stories, I still relish in the memories, but most importantly, I have been formed as a priest and as a person with a heart for the poorest of the poor. I have been repeatedly warned that taking a mission trip such as this would be a life-altering event. Still, I could never have imagined how much my life would be impacted by this initial trip. Every time Father Dunson asks me to do anything for him, I'll do it like that. I'll do anything I can for these children. There's just three, three points I want to make as I finish here. First, if you ever have the opportunity, if you're ever invited, if you're ever given the opportunity to go on a mission trip, to go visit the poorest of the poor anywhere in our world, go. It'll change your life forever. I know you have Father Stahl in El Salvador right now. Wonderful things are happening there. So if you ever have the opportunity to go on a trip, on a mission trip, Go. Don't ever hesitate or second guess. Just go. Secondly, we're encouraged uh, by our Holy Father right now to, to pray and to fast for those that are going through war-torn times. So in Africa right now, they're going through a lot of uh, tribal wars. But as we hear in Syria on the news right now, we're asked to pray and fast to end and to bring some peace to these war-torn countries. So that's the second thing I'm going to ask you to do today. In some way today, just fast. So that, I'm not, I'm not even saying like give up food for the entire day, but make some small type of fast today. Just give something up very quietly. You know, if you're, if you're invited to take part in a dessert or, you know, go for seconds, just in some way fast and, and offer that up for, for peace in our world. And the third and the final thing I'm going to do is just ask you for, for some uh, resources today. So, we're going to be doing a second collection at Mass, and I know this parish is an extremely generous parish. You guys are wonderful. I know you're also building a, another church, and so you're already, like, already giving. And I'm just going to ask you, as Mother Teresa would say, to give a little bit more, just to give until it hurts a little bit. And so I'm asking you today to give during that second collection to help these children who have been completely abandoned. These really are the poorest of the poor in our world. And the, the memory that strikes mo most vividly in my mind, that first trip I went to Africa, we were driving in a, in a big caravan, and as we got, uh, we're driving through the, the forest, and we get into the place where Calm is, it's this uh, retreat house, this orphanage for children. When we got there, there were hundreds of children. And uh, as the, the, the vans pulled up, the children began to scream, Mzungu, Mzungu, Mzungu. And I would later find out that that meant white man. So they're screaming, hey, white guy. You know, and we pulled up. And as we pulled up, the eyes of these children were so wide. They couldn't believe that a white man was coming to visit them. I felt like Santa Claus. It was unbelievable. So as I got out of the van, the children surrounded you like they jumped on your back in your arms they wanted just to be held in touch the entire five weeks i was there i don't think i ever didn't have a child in my lap like they just 
We're starving for affection. And that's the image I will always remember, that these kids just wanted to be held, they wanted to be loved, they wanted to be nurtured. For me, that was like touching the body of Christ. You know, so when Doubting Thomas says, you know, unless I touch him, unless I touch the body of Christ, I will not believe. And Jesus says to him, Thomas, put your hands on my side. Touch my wounds and do not be unbelieving, but believe. I was given that gift to touch the poor. And in touching the poor, I got to know Christ. And I'm inviting you today just to do that, to enter into a relationship with these children. I'm going to end with the prayer that the book ends with. And it's a prayer for children. It's a prayer for your children. It's a prayer for all of our children that we're bound together with. We pray for children who sneak popsicles before supper, who erase holes in math workbooks, who can never find their shoes. And we pray for those who stare at photographers from behind barbed wires who can't bound down the street in a new pair of sneakers, who never counted potatoes, who are born in places we wouldn't be caught dead, who never go to the circus, who live in an X-rated world. We pray for children who bring us sticky kisses and fistfuls of dandelions, who hug us in a hurry and forget their lunch money. We pray for those who never get dessert, who have no safe blanket to drag behind them, who watch their parents watch them die, who can't find any bread to steal, who don't have any rooms to clean up, whose pictures aren't on anybody's dressers, whose monsters are real. We pray for children who spend all their allowance before Tuesday, who throw tantrums in the grocery store and pick at their food, who like ghost stories, who shove dirty clothes under the bed and never rinse out the tub, who don't like to be kissed in front of the carpool, who squirm in church and scream in the phone, whose tears we sometimes laugh at and whose smiles can make us cry. And we pray for those whose nightmares come in the daytime, who will eat anything, who have never seen a dentist, who aren't spoiled by anybody, who go to bed hungry and cry themselves to sleep, who live and move but have no being. We pray for these children who want to be carried and for those who must be carried, for those who never give, for those we never give up on and for those who don't get a second chance, and for those we smother for those who will grab the hand of anybody kind enough to offer it. Today you're, be you're being given the opportunity to offer your hand to the poorest of the poor. I thank you so much for your time and I thank you for this opportunity to be with you.